should you decide to accept it. Welcome back to this week's episode of Your Mission, where we're listening to Beck's Midnight Vultures album from 1999. A classic in my adolescence, for sure. <laughs> yeah, classic for me, too. But I feel like we may be alone on this one. <laughs> I don't know. I have never heard Midnight Vultures before this week. True story. Yeah. Wow. I'm not surprised, dude. This album, I think, for him was like a huge flop. Yeah, I, I think... So what I was reading is that people didn't really know how to... People didn't know whether or not to take this album seriously, which I, I don't really see how that's an issue. Like, even if you're not taking it seriously, it sure is a lot of fun. Like, is it less <laughs> fun if you take it seriously? I recommend you don't, though. Well, okay, but all right. So, Jenny, I have a question. You've listened to, I assume, you listened to Ole, Mellow Gold. No, nothing like Loser. I'm a loser, baby. So, what about Sea Change? Do you listen to the Sea Change album? Yes, Sea Change, which I liked. There's a couple really incredible five-star songs on Sea Change, and the follow-up to Sea Change, not chronologically, but the actual follow-up to Sea Change, which was what was it called, Morning Light or something? Hold on. Yeah, yes. I think that's right. Yeah. yeah, that one I listened to quite a bit. Really like that one, and I like he did a, he put out Colors, which I will admit, even if it's uncool, I will admit to liking some songs on Colors. But I don't know why. I do not know why. My dad owned a Beck record. I know he did because I it was in his like big you know stack of vinyl. I think it was Mellow Gold and. Why I never really listened to that, I can't tell you. We graduated in 99, so like that should have been on my radar. Somehow wasn't. Odelay, I didn't really listen to because Loser was all over MTV and I heard it everywhere and I was like, oh, I like that song. But I just never somehow got the albums to follow up. But I did it for this assignment. I went through all the albums and made wow. my playlist of all the, of all, yeah, my Spotify did playlist of uh, all Beck things. And I have to say, Mellow Gold is amazing, and I really wish I would have spent more time with it earlier. I like that one a lot. Nice. A lot. Did you listen to Mutations in your um, listening? Just like the record. What is that? So that? I think that was the record right before this one. Yeah, um, it was be It was between this one and Odalite. It has Tropicalia, Cold Grains, Nobody's Fault But My Own. Beautiful, beautiful, by the way, side note, beautiful song. A five-star song, yeah. in my opinion, uh, of Bex. I know, I know them all by the, by the album. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got Diamond Bollocks, Cold Brains, and Nobody's Fault But My Own from that one on my playlist. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, it's a great record. Uh, I definitely spent my time with it. I, I want to say it was senior year. I guess it would have been senior year, high school, '98. But then this fucker comes along, and I think that's why I was such a dud. Like as a, I don't know, for in the pop world, he had won Grammys and. Then he'd done this mutations, which I think is pretty heavy and serious and folky. He does a, like different sounds, but like it's not he this really sound. Albums are different because I think what I read was that for this one, he just said like, "All right, before the '90s are over, my last album of this decade, I'm gonna make just a really fun." I, I, I'm trying to. I'll have to find the quote. I'm gonna make a dumb record with dumb sounds and dumb something or yes. else like that. <laughs> but it was like him just having fun. Which comes through, obviously. But it yeah. also is weird to me that people are, so I can't tell if Beck's being serious. Has Beck ever been serious up to this point? He's always been having fun to it. I'm a loser, baby, so why don't you kill yeah. me? That's all I gotta yeah. say. But, okay, so Mellow Gold comes out, everybody hears loser. 50% of these people buy Mellow Gold. Odalay drops, and people who didn't listen to Beck 
before, but knew him from that guy that did that Loser song, right? It's like knowing Radiohead from that, those guys. For Creed. Hold on, wasn't Loser on Odelay? Am I confused? No, Loser's on Mellow Gold. So Devil's Haircut, I think, was the big hit from Odelay? Yeah. And there were others, yeah, too. Odelay, word, Odelay word. opened with Devil's Haircut. So gotcha. it's like... But that album, much like this album, it makes me think of makes me think of Beastie Boys in that like it's abstract and it's like content, it's fun and upbeat, and it's willing to do try and do some like strange pop stuff with like very like abnormal sounds. Like I w- I was listening to a podcast where they were interviewing El Producto LP, and he was talking about how his like opening album fantastic damage there are tracks where you have two or three different tracks that are balancing in and around each other and a lot of the songs on this and to a a shorter extent like odalay and maybe it's a dust brothers credit but like like it has that idea where it's like there's two or three variations on a theme playing at the same time and the way that they weave in and out of each other is hypnotic and fun so he did that with Odelay and like the pop sensibility. Mutations, I think, was a serious album. Like, like it isn't as happy-go-lucky as Odelay for sure. And I think maybe people were expecting more of that out of Beck, but this came and it's like somebody slipped Odelay a bunch of ecstasy. Um, <laughs> no, that's a good quote, like, man. <laughs> it, it's just it it levels up in terms of taking strange sounds and doing something like familiar with them and like that abstract like vocal imagery that comes with it like he ma- he's not afraid to make up words he's not afraid to bring in a phrase that's automatic bazooty automatic bazooty <laughs> zero to two to but it's also I, I think the theme through this al- this album is like constant euphemism every line can be like euphemistic it's very like is yeah i've said it a couple times yeah. now it has available sexual energy so i <laughs> yeah man you really i think you really summed it up really well i want to add one thing which is like the hu- humor in music and the humor in pop music it's i feel like when you read reviews and stuff like that for the most part Anytime someone tries to do humor in music, reviewers hate it. Like, reviewers really hate it because music is supposed to be, like, important or something. And, like, when you have fun and are making cracking jokes and shit like that, then that's not important. And it's, like, on some fundamental level, like, sabotages, like, what a music reviewer does. So, like, I'm a huge fan of Ween. Like, Ween is, like, one of my favorite bands in the world. Their lyrics are so funny and interesting and juvenile and sophisticated at the same time. And they're one of those bands where I think they make some of the coolest music ever. And critically, people just don't... No, they just don't get it. They just don't get it. And I feel like... So one of the things I was uh, reading about with this record is a guy who's all over this record in terms of mixing, engineering, and even playing some instruments and stuff is this guy named Mickey Petrelia. And okay. he was, he basically was one of the engineer, mixer, producers for the Fly of the Concords. Oh. And so, like, to me, yeah, those, if you remember those first Fly of the Concords songs, 
they like play a lot on R&B and like, yeah. the dude awkwardly like trying to like talk to girls but with this sort of weird confidence of like an R. Kelly or something, you know? Yeah, I read and, and, somewhere I read that a Deborah actually was the inspiration for some Flight of the Concourse stuff, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's interesting to look at Mickey Petrelli's like discography because he starts with the Dandy Warhols right. and the Eels and the, the Eels. Luscious Jackson and yeah, so like 99, he did Luscious Jackson and two other bands I don't know anything about, Chivalry, A Thousand Clowns, and Beck. Like, this album is, it's just all over the place in terms of what it's willing to get funky with. Like, it's, it, yeah, it's... I don't know if, I don't know, like, I don't know if we're going to do I, it justice at all trying to explain it with words, right? This is definitely yeah. one of those where you just got to fucking sit down and listen to it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, how am I supposed to say? I'm, we're gonna play this fun little game here in a, here in a minute, just to get. This is like I was like thinking, like, how do we talk about a record that is so bizarre, filled with so many weird sounds and weirdness from all over the place? I don't know how the fuck we're gonna do it. So I picked some of my favorite sounds. I picked from some of my favorite sounds from the record, just isolated, just to give people maybe a little bit of a taste of like how fucking crazy this shit is. I do want to say also, I was listening to this shit in the car, it sounds great still. It sounds yeah, great it, still. It's like very modern. It could have come out yesterday. Yeah, it, it really was. And, and to expand on uh, what you were talking about a couple minutes ago, like that flight of the Concord sensibility that's built into this is like I, the song that was playing when you were talking about it was perfect. It was Hollywood Freaks. <laughs> so, like, that is a divisive song. Oh, right? big time, like, yeah. I get, if you're not willing to take it less seriously, it's really going to turn you off. But if you listen to it, it's it has a little bit of cookie puss in it, like that early Beastie Boys stuff where they're, like, sampling some really strange stuff. And, yeah. Paul's Boutique. I, Paul's Boutique, yes. Which, yeah, which Paul's Boutique, Dust Brothers. Beck, yeah. Dust Brothers. There's definitely like an overlap there, right? Like the hyperactive, attention deficit hyperactive disorder sampling pop shit and throwing everything yeah. everywhere. If you are if you have problems with attention like I, I have in the past and currently, this shit it will keep you engaged as fuck. <laughs> it, yeah. it is not minimalist. It is maximalist. Right, they're throwing all kinds of shit at you. I... It's dense, and they're not afraid to play with it in really strange ways. Yeah, and like, Beck's rhyme is ridiculous. It's like, <laughs> is, is he good? No, he's not but, good. <laughs> God, he is fun. He is fun. He's definitely not good, but, and and also, okay, I have, I definitely feel a lot of different ways about this song. On the one hand. He just, gratu the gratuitous insertion of what I think they're saying, you my nun. <laughs> but when I was listening to it, I always thought he was just making fun of like 90s hip hop, where people would you say, my dog. you my dog, which yeah, is what, what I, like. right. I read online that it was, he, they were listening to Ice Cube and there was some song where it kept repeating this line and everyone in the room thought he was saying you my nun and so that's right. what they tried to sound like 
And so that's annoying as fuck. And I wish it would have happened like maybe twice in the song. Okay, I get it. Because they just um, insert it at random places I, where it collides in a way. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I think that like the collision makes it even funnier. Like the collision, it, it feels like something one of your friends made like super drunk. Like, right, one night, right, yes. Like, like this delivers, like this is... Okay, um, the other I thing... Mean, the, some of the lines in it are great though, right? Yeah. Shamans go cripple, my sales go triple, we drop a bottomy beats, evaporated meats, on high tech streets we go sell dance floors and talk shows, hot dogs, no, and no dose, dose. hot sex and back rows. Yeah. I mean, hot it dogs, is... No dose, hot sex and back rows. <laughs> like, so on some like poetic lyric shit, this is like one of the best records we've done, in my opinion. There's I, so many lyrics in this thing where I'm just same, like, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> what is going same on songs. here? Hot like a cheetah, neon mama cita, eat it, taqueria, pop lock a beast. <laughs> no one's gonna see that. Okay, so there's the you my dog slash you my nun. Okay, then there's his rap, which lyrically is hilarious and interesting, but he can't rap. Yeah. And then, but then on the other side of it, is the beat itself is fucking dope and if yeah. you isolated that beat and you had again yeah. if you isolated that beat and you had a competent rapper rapping over it like it would be a fantastic like an awesome hip-hop song from around that time that beat yeah. is hard as fuck so that's why it's yeah. just like it's the beat is hard as fuck and then the li the lyrics are bizarre the rap is not good and then the you my dog it's just <laughs> I don't know, man. It's there's a lot going on. Jen, Jenny, your thoughts on Hollywood freaks? Hollywood freaks? Eh, pretty. I, I don't know that I have anything to add that you all haven't said, except mm. for that I definitely was. It, it was a little bit like weird because, again, until I got this assignment, I had no idea that Beck made, tried to make rap songs. <laughs> all right. Yeah, you my dog. Uh, other than that, I. It's hard for me to, there are some songs I can talk about a lot and will talk about a lot, but I think that this is, this one just falls under the umbrella of what an interesting album this is. Even the songs that didn't make my cut, or even the songs that I was just like, like these are fine, but I gotta give him mad points for just doing such wildly disparate shit and putting it all, just fitting everything in here and really not having a dull moment. Even if the style isn't for me or the song isn't for me, you can't get bored with this. You can't. No, you can't. It's impossible. I agree, I agree yeah. 100%. So let's pause and I, I want to play a game. Uh, I don't have the, a name for it. I was I actually just came up with maybe a name for it. You My Dog? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't <Yeah>. isolate that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I didn't isolate that, but I was thinking a little game. So what I did was I isolated sounds from the record. And the goal here is you guys can play together. Okay, we're not pitting people against each other. That's not not your, your mission modus operandi. And you guys got to tell me what song from the record or the B-sides. Uh, okay. I didn't get to the B-sides on this one, so that's going to be tough. Okay, all right. Well, so, okay, then I'll try to stick to the ones on the record then. Um, I, I did isolate some some really good ones from some of the B-sides, but... Well, after we're done guessing on the album ones, play the B-side ones, because I really want to hear them now. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, so here we go. Um, right. At random. All right. We'll start with we'll start with an easy one. 
<laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I gotta tell you, that's a little disconcerting. I mean, that, that, like, when I the first listened to Deborah, I, uh, you know, it was just like, this feels a little too personal. I feel like it's looking <laughs> into my soul. Did you and, work at uh, JCPenney? No. But, but, you know, my mom's name is Deborah, so it was just like back. Mm-hmm. It was close. It was getting close. It was getting yeah. a little too. Uh, a little too- the, the sexual energy was just like yeah. it, it felt like it was reaching. <laughs> were out you were you just, were you were you just like uh... arms length? I was like arms like, length. Like, like no, no back, no, Leave no. Stop. I will Stop not bring my leg. I will not Stop. get in. I will not get into your Hyundai. You got to, uh, as they say, you got to leave space for Jesus back. Yeah, no, I don't care if it is a real good meal. We're not going to Glendale. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, you know, I, I got over that. It was fine, but it was just a little bit, a little bit. Ugh. Okay. All right. I'm going to go to one of my favorites, one of my super favorites on this one. Ready? Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll play it again. I'll play it again. I know. <laughs> that, that's the end of, is that the end of Get Real Paid? Uh, let me, let me, let me, let me see, let me Hold see. Let me it's see. the one. It's the one with no. the girl who's like singing in the robot voice, isn't it? it no, it's the end of something. Is it mixed business? Is it the end of mixed business? Hey. Hey. All right. I knew it was really close to get real paid. Like, get real paid. <laughs> so just after it does that, yeah. it, does, it goes to the intro to get real paid, which is like, I mean, a trash compactor humping a, like, <laughs> Automobile? I'm not sure. It what totally. Wow, that's a great yeah. description of what, the, whatever the fuck that could possibly be. Uh. So they were. I will have you know that they were making love. They're committed. <laughs> All right. But, you know, like, look. Sometimes committed love is allowing a hump and just getting over. Right? Like, All right. All right. I'll um, allow it. Here's a here's a harder one. Here's a harder one. Um, no pun intended. Uh, once again. Oh, that's um. <laughs> you got. You're getting it. You're getting. You're getting it. You're getting it. Um. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You're that's a pressure pressure zone. Yeah. Hey. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I, I had. I had. I really. I had to. I had to do it. I'm sorry. Oh, damn. Whenever, whenever I'm sorry. I make like a decent point, you can just hit the Jenny button. But you should also have another one that's like no. Oh, yeah. Well, I do the have. Thing we need is a soundboard. I do have. There you go. I'll accept. That. <laughs> anyway. Um. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Pressure. Pressure zone. Yeah. That that one. That one. I remember hearing that. I was like, is that just like someone sharpening a knife or a sword being pulled out of a? I always. I, I hear like it sounds like a Shaw Brothers like clip. Like it sounds like mid kung fu movie sword fight. All right. Okay. So here we go. Next one. Uh, yeah. That's. I, I know that one. <laughs> That's that's the very end of Hollywood Freaks, right? Yeah, yeah, very good, very good, very good. Yeah, I mean, that one. 
he like makes this. He he says something, and like as it's cutting out, you hear him kind of having that laugh. I mean, that laugh is. Um, how do I put this in twenty twenty one terms? It is a. <laughs> I don't know how to say this. I'm on the edge of my seat, buddy. Let's I mean, go. it's like a. It's like a um, uh, mentally sort of handicapped sort of sounding laugh if you will i yeah, think I, <laughs> right so it's like wait, it's, so you're saying that laugh is coming from the um you my dog yes from the same person yes the, the, i i and, it sounds like it to me yeah that that could work like that could make sense right if you're in the studio like recording that version of you my dog or whatever a right. thousand times Eventually, you're going to crack up, and you might do it in that voice. <laughs> That's fair. All right. Okay. All right. Next next one. But I am... Oh, oh, broken train. Hey, look at that. Good job. We're, we're doing well. We're doing well on this one. Listen, I, uh, some of these, like, I know I've heard them, but I, I just am struggling to figure out exactly which song it was, because I'm usually so bad with the names. I just happen to... Well, so I have the track list in front of me, because it's like if I can look at the name of the track and and then the it's like a hack. Oh, like no one said I couldn't do this. No, no, yeah, I've always struggled and continue to struggle with like when I'm listening to the album, I sometimes have to stop and be like, no, pay attention to which one this is, because somebody Alonzo is probably going to want you to discuss it later. And I'm this, trying really hard to get the names the, of the songs. I, I just isolate this because, like, the marimba, like, which uh-huh. is like, oh, okay, great. randomly, <laughs> a marimba in here. Which is cool. This podcast, this, like, this podcast thing is, is really, like, making a difference for me paying attention to which track I'm listening to. Okay. It's like the, now that we're, it, like, every other week, it's like the first week I don't have to. And then the second week is like, okay. Like, now I'm going to nerd out and <laughs> know, okay, yeah. the names of the tracks. Okay, yeah. next next one. All right, I'll play it again. Oh, uh, okay. So it's the spray paint. Uh, that is the opener to, oh, what is that? So I'm gonna give you a hint. It's actually, yes, you're is right. It that it's, the, in, it, it's, the, it's end of the of, intro tracks, right? It's it's the end of one of the songs, and it plays right before the next track starts. So this is a tough one. This is a tough one. I I admit. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Any, I can pull anyone? anything out. Anyone? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that it's the end of um, "Beautiful Way." Wow, look at that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's the very end of Beautiful Way, rolling into... Rolling into... Intro, intro to the Pressure Zone. Intro to Pressure Zone, exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Okay, very good, okay. Let's yeah, that one's here. kind of buried in there, but it's like, yeah. Um. Oh. Oh, of course. This, I mean, this could, this is on multiple songs, I think, but I isolated it from one. Oh. <laughs> oh. That's all over. That's 
everywhere. There's no song that's not it. Uh, okay, this is from is, this is from the same. Written, this it's is from Nicotine and Gravy. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, and so not only is that one from there, that yeah. is also from Nicotine and Gravy. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, etc. <laughs> It's like he's right in my ear. Let me just, it's really uncomfortable. It's like, All right. I'm not, I'm not sure he's vaccinated. I'd like to see his feet, please. All right, ready? Kick it. Kick it. Kick it. Yeah. We like the boys with the bulletproof vest. <laughs> We're going to get real paid. We're going to get real paid. We like the girls with the cellophane chest. This is at the very beginning of, of Get Real Paid. Kick it. It's like, I, I mean, I isolated it. It doesn't, it's weird because like the drums kind of cut in. Like when you actually go in and try and isolate these things, you start understanding how layered the whole damn thing. There, there must have been like a hundred tracks on each of these. Yeah. There's just yeah. so much going on. I think if you see like the group of people on stage with him for this tour, it's like, it's a whole party. The whole party. after show. Yeah. The, yeah. the after parties, there's plenty of live. There's plenty of live stuff from this album, which in my experience, when like an artist I really makes a very particular and strange album, there doesn't tend to be a lot of live footage of that album. Like maybe Ween is the exception. Yeah, um, yeah. But this, there's half the album is available like in some live performance yeah. or another, sometimes from that time frame, sometimes from 10 years later, which is like, who the hell is still requesting this 10 years later <laughs> other than me? Yeah, like, I know. <laughs> I have a hard time I mean, understanding. Even, even some of them existed long before this album because I think Deborah was one that I was reading somewhere that he'd said, we had it, but we're like, eh, like this isn't, we, we, shouldn't put the, we shouldn't put this on an album. But then like when they would play it at shows, that was the one that people were just like really responding to. And they're like, okay, fine. Yeah, so I think Deborah was like a long kind of improv vamp sort of thing where it was just a joke. It was just like he's trying to do an R. Kelly song basically and (laughs) or a Prince song or something like that. And it just kind of grew into what it became and then he recorded it. So we're at that point in the show where we mentioned he who shall not be named. Oh no. Yeah. Baby. Oh. Baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, it's, that's a cover, so it's a little different. But, but it's that same kind of vibe where, like, the entire album has been something completely different, and in comes this, like, soul track. Not like, yes, like, lyrically, there's a lot of really ridiculous and funny things <laughs> said, but it feels like... To, to take a whole song and sing at that level of falsetto, there's no way he didn't, like, actively extend his range to sing. <laughs> I've seen the live performances, and he surprisingly, he surprisingly has a great range live. Like, honestly, like, I, it's like, you can do a lot in a recording studio, and I think he nails it live. Most of these songs yeah. where he's going into crazy falsetto. All right, okay, I got two more, and then a couple, I'll play a couple other ones that are just from the B-sides, okay? All right. Oh. Yeah, we just did. Yeah, yeah, I'm not even going to play the applause for that one. Okay, and lastly, and this one should be pretty easy. Cyclops. Very good. I didn't even get a chance to, I didn't even get a chance to play the Price is Wrong 
Failhorns, which uh, you play, you played the Dena Dena, like I, I did. Oh, okay, time. I did. All right, yeah. okay, my bad. All right, I got the first one wrong on the first guess. I, I took a second guess. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. So that's a couple that I isolated from some of the B sides, and I can't wait to play this B side because I feel like it should have made the record, but no, nah, it's from a song called Dirty, and it's just as dirty as you think it is. <laughs> that's the, the so I, these are the two sounds I isolated. <laughs> it's pretty silly. Yeah. So, it's an because it came out, so it came out the like fall semester of my freshman year of college, which was about the time I started really exploiting high speed internet. Mm. Um, and the fact that I was on a LAN with a bunch of people that also had a bunch of music. And I ended up with a copy of this that was the original release plus like all of the b-sides and like it was the extended cut like supposedly there's a there were 25 tracks recorded for this album and close to half of them got left on the cutting room but the extended cuts i do remember dirty and how good that was <laughs> it's the a problem is the problem is it so here we go like this is why streaming music sucks and you should just I'm, while I'm not saying you should go pirate your music, maybe you should go pirate your music. It's hard to get a cut that has all of that extra stuff any other way, aside from like building a playlist made out of like really like obscure stuff. And you can't do that on one streaming service. Yeah. Like, sadly, yeah. Amazon doesn't isn't aware of all the Maybe on YouTube, right? Because so, for example, this is that song, the B-side, it's called Dirty. And it's just, it's basically a hip hop beat with moans. It's some two live crew type shit. Like, <laughs> it's a really good beat with like drum machine drums and weird sounds. And and he sings through most of it. And then there's a part that's a rap, which is actually way better than any of the raps he did on the album. This actually, this actually reminds me of uh, Timbaland. Um, yeah. Like Missy Elliott, Timbaland, Aaliyah stuff from back then. But anyway, yeah, he just... The B-sides of this are really... Some of them are really cool. Some of them are like, yeah, you know why they didn't make the cut. There's actually a song called Midnight Vultures that did not make the Midnight Vultures album cut. With, you know, and it's like kind of mediocre. Uh, there's this song called This Is My Crew, which is pretty cool. It's also more hip-hop. Every time I hear You My Dog from now on, I'm gonna have that image of those two dudes. That makes perfect sense. It's, this is more Prince-y, right? More Prince and then old school hip hop. <laughs> I don't even know how to... Uh... And of course the lyrics, right? Let the funky music gouge your eyes out. I'm not really sure. That's, I think that's, that should be the tagline for this album. Like if, if, <laughs> albums, if albums had like taglines the way that movies have taglines, that would probably be it. Let the funky music gouge your eyes out. That would make a lot of sense. Alright, so guys, I forgot to put my cut in the thing, so go vamp if you would for a little bit. Yeah, so, so, alright, Thomas, so, so you came from an awareness of sea change, and you're going backwards a couple back albums on this. Talk more, can you talk more about your cut? Oh, right now, yeah. I thought you were, I thought you were still going. Yeah. Sorry. So between between Sea Change and Morning Phase and Colors, which are the three I was most aware of before today, like two of those are very thematically similar. The Sea Change and Morning Phase are back at his most serious, I would say. I think that's fair. 
right. Yeah, I think they're like, I think he still has some ser- some similar like lyrical quality yeah. in terms of the way it's pretty associated, but it's then, much more like genuinely emotional. And oh yeah, yeah, super, super. And then Colors was like very different because it was like, it was a dance album. It was like a dancey album. Very, I, I guess it's exactly what it is. If you would imagine that Beck's trying to make a pop dance album in 20, whatever it was, 2019 or whatever. Going back to this, I was like, oh, okay, so we're gonna go do early Beck. And then I, I thought like, all right, so loser. But of course, this was like not that. And so it was like very much like instantly, I was like, oh, Beck had a this? Oh, all right. All right. I, I, I think I was like trying to deal with laundry or something. And I was just kind of sat on my bedroom floor, just looking at my speaker going, oh, okay. So Beck had a horny face. All right. I horny face, you know, yeah. speaking, speaking of that, the very first, because it, it starts with sex laws. And so it's in your face right away. Like it, it, the package is right there. And there's, <laughs> and immediately I was like sitting there trying to orient myself to what the hell was going on. And, he, and I just remember him talking about the halfway house. And I was like, what the fuck is going on here? And then it took about like 30 more seconds for me to realize, okay, yeah, Beck obviously must have been in horny jail because clearly this is what's going on. This is uh, the halfway, halfway yeah. house for horny. Exactly. So the cover, the album cover, the, <laughs> what right. are going on in that album cover? Like what is that? Can you, is that like there's a line like and it's connecting a crotches together. Yeah. So that's a two crotch neon connection. <laughs> I mean, the dude looks like a he looks like a mannequin, I think, or at least wearing a mask of some kind. It, it looks like they're actually the same pair of pants but reversed. <laughs> like I think it's yeah. the same bottom, right? I yeah. think you're right. Same bottom. Wait, so now I'm like wondering if this was all along with respect, like being real real uh nasty with himself i think he yeah. does get busy with himself in this well sure I mean, <laughs> in this record. Happens, but yeah yeah i don't even know what to do with the album cover it definitely catches your eye which is i guess the whole point i want to talk about nicotine gravy because i feel like it's it's, it's on all of our cuts yes it's on all of yeah. our cuts it, it is the go-to song for me so long after like i listened to this originally if someone were to ask me about this record, this is the song I think I would play to them. And I think mostly it's because of this end section right here. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that, that's the reason why Nicotine Gravy made my cut. Like, I, I could lose the first half of the song and not be too sad, but this is amazing. This yeah, is it awesome. Gets real, it gets real, like, freeform jazz, which is... Prog rock, yeah. jazz. Yeah. Yeah. But with beautiful instrumentation, like just the sounds in here are just amazing. Everything he throws everything at this thing. It's like loud ass guitars and synths and drums and this is a beautiful song. And I think the video is pretty cool. I, I watched the video like briefly before we started the pod. I think the video is really cool. So I don't know. This is the one. It's not. I wouldn't say it's necessarily indicative, but. I feel like this is one where he could pl- probably play that song in different ways and it would sound great live. It doesn't need to be the way it is on the record yeah. for it to sound good. And it's not a pop song, right? <laughs> yeah. It just, it goes in crazy places. I think the song, yeah. I think the song that I would, for me, I, I think the song that I would like, if someone was to ask me like, okay, what's this record about? 
and to encapsulate all the different sounds, it might be this song. It might be Mixed Business. Yeah, um, yeah, that's kind of why it's my sweater song. Like, it, for me, it's like the most approachable. I know that Sex Laws was like the, the breakout single. It was the first single. Yeah. So it was good, but I feel like this song does what it does best. It's just a little funkier. It's a little bit more fun. So um, Sex Laws, by the way, did not make it onto any of our cuts. And yeah. it's not that I don't like the song. I think it's a really cool song. But I just feel, I feel like you're right. It's like, this song is a little sillier, if that's possible. Yeah. My favorite part of Sex Laws is that uh, really remarkable banjo breakdown, hoedown thing. Yes, that's yeah. A great part of that That's really song. cool. <laughs> and if I'm being fair, if I put nicotine and gravy on there because I like the end of it, I probably should have put Sex Laws on there because I do like that, that banjo hoedown, to be fair. I I'll do it, I'll do it. In this song, there's like a drum solo. Yeah. That is short, but super, super cool. It's coming up here where it's just, <laughs> I don't even know how to, that's he's, that's he's like playing every drum like in, I don't know, 64th notes, like everywhere. It's like totally a show off thing. And it just goes into a weird place, this song. Yeah. I feel like that's like every song on the record. Mixed Business and Sex Laws both feel like by dance tracks. And I feel like just Mixed Business is a little bit better at that. This is like a mod, almost like a, I can, I, like in my mind, I can imagine yeah. like some sort of mod dancers or something doing a choreographed type of dance. <laughs> yeah, where like where were the Austin Power movies in 1999, right? Because like, if this wasn't included in an Austin Powers uh, soundtrack, like it's a real waste. <laughs> like, I think I want to say, yeah, didn't look, we watch? Didn't we watch the, *A Spy Who Shagged Me* in high school? I, I want to say we watched it in the movie theater. So, so *International Man of Mystery* is 97. *Spy Who Shagged Me* is 99. Okay, so yeah, yeah. So anyway, this is the part I was telling you about with the drums. It's just such a show off. Whatever. It, 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 it's like a synth kit that he's playing on, at least. Totally, like, yeah, if it's yeah. Not, if it's not a drum machine, then it's a synth kit. And then the horns at the end here, and the robot yeah. telling you, fuck you. I don't need anything else. <laughs> I need nothing else. Just a robot to tell me, fuck you. And then, even though I didn't ask for it, even I didn't ask for it, the Transformers part. What was it, what was it you said? I said the trash compactor having sex with or humping an automobile. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's really more uncomfortable when you put it that way. <laughs> I think there was a point in time where I wanted to think, like, it's a robot and he's just starting to run. But then it's like, mm, where's he running? What's more? Yeah, the, the frequency of the sounds increases yeah, in it tempo. Increases. Yeah, the... yeah, that robot is not late for work. I mean, he's not running to catch the subway. It's not a Nope. No, so... he is. Yeah, he's probably a little early. He's got a little time to kill, you know what I'm saying? So, a couple of other thoughts I had from my notes, now that we're on Get Real Paid. Just to, again, for those of you who weren't either alive or maybe not, I don't know, what's the word? Not very musically conscious at that time because you were too young. Like, this is the late 90s in hip-hop was just like a wasteland of bragging about money and jewels. And that was like, you know, that was the puffy time. It was also like Cash Money Records, Master P. It was like that time, around that time. And what I love about this record is it has the 
balls to make fun of this that stuff. And it's a touchy thing, right? Because Beck's a white guy, and most of these guys are not. And, like, it's fun to make fun of people that are talking about, like, conspicuous consumerism and just bullshit. So I like that. I have respect for that. Some of the lyrics in Get Real Paid are so weird and funny. And I love how the vocals in here are so disaffected, disinterested. Yeah. And it, it, it reminds me of another note that I took here, which is that... Have you guys ever read anything by Brett Easton Ellis? Like American Psycho... Anything? I think, I think I've read Less Than Zero. But... Less Than Zero, yeah. So he he's known for writing about young people in the 80s and 90s, disaffected, kind of soulless, caught up in consumerism. And like his characters are oftentimes people that are not necessarily good people or fun to root for at all, but like representative of the time and like just a kind of spiritual like bankruptcy and like obsession with like things and right. And I just get a real strong Brett Easton Ellis vibe off of the whole record. Like in this song especially because it, they're just like, we, it's monotone. Yeah, it's, ro it's robotic and it's phased in both directions. Or it's pitch shifted in both directions. So, and then right. layered on top of itself. It's actually like his voice pitched up, his voice pitched down, all of it like said robotically and then layered in. And it really comes across as like, ambiguous and disinterested and this is like the Kraftwerk part yeah. <laughs> or the planet rock yeah. part or whatever you want to say planet rock right 100 planet rock yeah <laughs> so which is just and, and some of the lyrics thursday night i think i'm pregnant again touch my ass if you're qualified <laughs> touch right. my ass if you're qualified <laughs> but he's combining like sex and desire with like conspicuous consumption if you're qualified it's like a fucking car com <laughs> it's like a fucking car commercial right like zero. if you if your credit's good you know if you're lucky your, zero. your Beck's ass credit like, <laughs> yeah zero dollars down zero percent APR for 18 months and it's there's a, a new bitcoin new doge like whatever Beck <laughs> ass credit is there's a song i think it's hollywood freaks that i just skipped over but where he's 6.2% or something like that. What does he fucking say? I'm just, I don't know. I don't it's like know towards the end of the song is he's, oh yeah, he's like dance floors, all the talk shows, hot dog, no dose, hot testing, back rows, Hyundai's, tricked out, Christmas in July, 6.2%. And it's just, he fucking watch a car commercial. Like, and he mentions Hyundai's a bunch of times. I don't know if you noticed that. And Deborah yeah. step into my Hyundai. And so that's another interesting thing is like, <laughs> Like, the sensibility of this, so we talk about it being, like, in jest of, like, consumer consumer hip-hop, right? Like, the masterpiece stuff. I think about it in terms of not just in jest, but, like, culturally removed. Like, I think about it as, like, Japan's sense of those things. Yeah. Like, this <laughs> album feels That's like... That's interesting. This album feels like a Japanese, like, it's like you walked in a Japanese store in Ginza that was, like, all about American, like, hip-hop consumers. Uh, and it's, like, all the, like, normal kind of idiosyncrasies are just tilted in a weird, we don't quite understand this, but it's cool direction. This whole album feels like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can see that, totally. 
Yeah, I, the, the, cons, the consumer stuff and the consumer's critique. The broken train, we'll get to broken train here in a little bit, but you know, take a ride on the broken train. And, and Hollywood freaks, he's take pills, make my moody. It's like Be ready, right, automatic bazooka. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's like it's obviously the album is set in Hollywood. It's set in yeah. imaginary fake land. A bunch of the instruments are fake. The people he talks about do fake shit, wear fake bullshit, and but like also it's like baller, but it's cheap. So it's so it's not even you're not even really rich. You're just fake. You have a nice Hyundai and fucking yeah. <laughs> you yeah. get a good rate. You get a good APR on your. <laughs> you, 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 you buy your leather pants at the flea market right and you just do Fine. a bunch of drugs well, and fucking that's what it is what's uh, the line where he says shop at old navy too yeah shop at old navy if you're not gonna it's not versace it's old navy. <laughs> and jc penny right i mean there's and then there's lines that he repeats too in this record that, that are interesting i mix business with leather which is just a joke, I get that. And then, I'm a full-grown man, but I'm not afraid to cry. Which he says yeah. in Sex Laws. And then at the end of Deborah, right. he repeats that, which is cool that the book ended. Right? Yeah. It's and then he just... proved that on his very next album. <laughs> yeah. Which was Sea Change. No, it was just yeah. Sea Change, right? Yeah. 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 Sea Change is an album for the broken hearted, for sure. Yeah, there's Can no doubt. Can you imagine doubt. somebody who was real into Midnight Vultures in 1999 and being so hyped for the next Beck album and then yes I can imagine that I was that guy, yeah, and, that guy. And, I, and I was not disappointed with me neither I, it was definitely like not the vibe you were expecting but, and that's the thing that like at this time is exactly what Beck was like known for for the people that really followed Beck was like the next album will not be this whatever this is the next album will not be this. It will be something very different than this. And three or four rounds of that, like by the time Sea Change came out, like, oh, this guy's never going to make a bad album. Like oh, the no. odds are he's going to make like listenable albums to the end of time and they'll always be a little bit fucking different. I said, I think I said, I said of He Who Shall Not Be Named that he was like a Bowie of that time of let's say the yeah. aughts and the, you know, tens or whatever. I really think Beck was like a Bowie of the 90s and and yeah. because of that, hey, whatever this is, which is cool, the next thing is not gonna be anything like that. It's way out here. And I compare this album to like Young Americans, the Bowie album uh, from the mid 70s, which was like he, he was doing all his glam rock stuff, I think Diamond Dogs and all that stuff. And then he goes to Philly and basically cuts like a Philly soul record. Yeah. And it's great. It's beautiful and great. And I think, to some extent, I'm not so super familiar with his later, Beck's later stuff. I probably tuned out, like, hardcore, like, with uh, Wero. I think it came out in, like, mid-2000s. That uh, was the last one that I really spent a lot of time with right me too. after it dropped. I think it's a fantastic album. Yeah, it's funny. When we were, when we were working on the Crumb album, I was, like trying to pinpoint the back track that like tied into crumb like it was on the way back from houston and i was thinking about crumb and trying to like 
tie it to a handful of different things. And I went through the entirety of Sea Change thinking that that track was in there, but it, it really wasn't. But yeah, like it's all a little bit different from like the last album that came out. There may be some overlap down the road, like Mutations and what's the the one after where not the information. I don't remember. Mo modern Guilt. So like yeah. Mutations and Modern Guilt for me have some like overlap. Hmm. I spent a fair amount of time with Modern Guilt and Morning Phase. Morning Phase is also like I I, I take a couple years. I think the last album I spent time with significantly was Morning Phase. I haven't spent much time on Colors or Hyperspace, which came out in 2019. So and Pharrell did production on. I was about to say, there was an album he did with Pharrell Williams, right? Like, is it Hyperspace? Is that the one? Yeah, Hyperlife is the track on it, but Hyperspace is, like, he and Pharrell were on that album all over. So, what, Any anyone listen to that very much? Because that's interesting to me. I gave it a I, few listens. There's one or two that stuck. I didn't give it a lot of listens, but I gave it a few. And it sounds, it sounds R&B, which, once you get over that, is... I think I pulled two off there for my playlist, and that was on like third listen. If I gave it more listens, I'd probably pull some more off, and it, and right it would on. certainly be more more up your all's alley than it would be mine. So you might like it even more than that. Huh? So, it's worth uh, a visit. So there is there's an overlap with he who shall not be named. There is uh, a guy that plays on that album that was a member of uh, Haunted Graffiti. Is that right, Tim? Cole M G N Cole Marsden Grace Neal. I, my my pro like hyperspace I, so i think i tried to go to hyperspace at a time where i hadn't listened to back in a long time and what i found myself wanting to do was listen to the back i was familiar with so i left hyperspace and went to other back albums and haven't gone back to hyperspace but the fact that he and pharrell worked on it makes me super interested right it's, it's a synth pop album i'm sure i'm sure i can find some cool stuff on there Sure. So what about this song, Milk and Honey? So I, I know Johnny Marr plays guitar on this very randomly. Jenny, it's like your top song, I think, on your on your pick. So go for it. Uh, Broken Train and Milk and Honey ended up being tied because I couldn't decide which one I loved more. I love them both a yeah. lot. They both got five stars for me. So what I really like about this one is that it just—it's just a damn almost like a chameleon like this intro when i heard that immediately i was like oh robert palmer is that you like what's what's up here <laughs> that's cool and i was like oh it's gonna be that kind of song but it's not because we're only here in robert palmer land for a little bit and then all of a sudden we switch into this part which reminds me of very much like a dave matthews but the that part is very <laughs> dave matthews to me yeah no, that's and interesting I was like, getting all of these like random and different associations and then i was just like wow what the hell's going on and then we like come back for a minute and i don't want to narrate the whole song we come back to robert palmer land for a little bit but then just when you think that we've switched up enough all of a sudden is oh no we're gonna have a talking head style breakdown and this is like how much all right how much is gonna get shoved into this song but it's fucking amazing this song has one of my favorite this song has one of my favorite lyrics in the whole record, which is, I can smell the VD in the club tonight. Uh -huh. <laughs> which is like nauseating like and like hilarious. <laughs> um, 
It's just wild to me that how many different like versions of this song there were in this song, but also what Snatch happens all over this record. Mm -hmm. But it was really amazing the way he was able to just seamlessly like slide out of one and into the other without dropping a beat or at any point making it sound weird. It's just like the strangest collection of stuff. He makes it sound so natural to just slide right into, which I think is, I think that's impressive, honestly. Maybe it's not, but it sounds. Uh, no, it's awesome. I 100% I agree. This is like a, it's it, and then the way it ends too is so cool. <laughs> it just becomes oh, yeah. like a kind of like sad, I don't so even the, know what to it call has, it. Like a steel, like all of a sudden there's a steel guitar and then there's strings and woodwinds and it's become a happy trail song. Or Forlorn happy, you know? sort of country right. western type of thing. But it's also very good. It's like that part, I love that part too. It's like that he managed to do four or five different styles, but there's not a single one of them I don't like. Like he did them all so well. That, yeah, that's totally... That's a hundred percent. I don't know just how creative you have to be to go in that many directions. And then, yeah, and then to do this, so great. <laughs> which sounds a little to me like air. I know we've brought up air. There's some synth work in the background, but it's very air. It sounds like a but little he like- also, he, he also worked with air on Talkie Walkie, right? That's right, like, yeah. Yeah. So it sounds a little bit like that and just a very mellow and cool way to take us home. Yeah, because after he got you all worked up with the 80s rock in the beginning, like, all right, I'm gonna set you back down. The, this, is, this is a great, great, great song. I don't know, why the fuck didn't it make my cut? That's bullshit. God. I don't know, I just wrote like, Tons of gushing notes about I, it because I just love this one. I had a hard time. I had a hard time cutting stuff on this, honestly. Yeah, I had that problem too. There were a couple that I could cut off easily for the same mixed business sex laws thing that we were talking about. Right. But, yeah. Um, yeah. But by and large, it's hard to cut this album down. And I was wrong. He was on. He's on a song on Ten Thousand Hertz Legend, not on Talkie Walk. He's on. On the Ten Thousand. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. So. Which is two years after this came out. All right, so Beautiful Way, which did not make your cut, Jenny. It was close to And did not it. make your cut. Oh, so I'm the only one that put the song on there. Interesting. It was, real, it was really close to making it, and the only reason I think in the end I left it off is because it was just a little too, there just wasn't quite enough going on in it. But I do vibe with it, though. It feels like you're riding your horse home at sunset, right? Like, it's very comforting. I, yeah, it's I, like the Wilco song, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's a great song. I just think for the album, it, it feels like a cut that should have been on Odelayer mutations. On mutations, maybe. Yeah, you're, yeah. maybe you're right. Yeah. Like uh, it, it just feels like one of those tracks that, as you're listening through the album, it kind of kills the vibe for a minute. <laughs> um, huh. Which is not a bad thing, because that vibe comes on heavy at the album. Yeah. You, know, you need to step away and grab a glass of water. Yeah. I, Get a um, smoke, go outside. <laughs> yeah. Really, like, be in control of your life before me. I love... Off the back off of you. I was the back down. I think I like this song because it's got this beautiful chorus. Yeah. 
And I love those. This is see. This is where it's like I love those the the pedal steel. Like I just oh man, that sound is a beautiful sound. It just reminds me of like '70s country. So yeah. '70s country '70s. So apparently, this song was inspired by actually a Velvet Underground song called the Countess Countess from Hong Kong, which was like a demo. I don't think it ever made it to an album. Which I could hear. Like he sings it a little bit like Lou Reed. It's like a yeah. little disengaged. I think I think Lou Reed is right in the pocket for where Beck goes when he slows down. Right? Like I think Sea Change, like there's some Lou Reed to Sea Change for sure. Yeah, he has what's interesting about Beck is that I think he was a big deal as like basically before he ever got signed before Mellow Gold. He was a big deal as just like a folk performer. I think he blew up just by going out there and playing live solo, him acoustic guitar, and he has a whole bunch of songs from before he was on a major label that kind of sound like this a little bit and are just kind of straight folk songs. And there's one song he has about a trip to Mexico. Just like really long, I might play it in the after party, I can't remember the title off the top. It's really pretty. And I think Johnny Cash covered one of his songs in the American, the... Yeah, the, the four uh, albums he did. The four albums he did where he covered a lot of more contemporary songs. Props so there. Cool. So, anyway, okay, I enjoyed this one. And, oh, <laughs> that's interesting. This is, okay, so on YouTube, the spray paint has its own track, I guess. <laughs> Let's go into Pressure Zone. There's the knife. So Pressure Zone, I believe, made both your cut, Ryan, and Jenny your cut also. Mm-hmm. So, thoughts? I think a lot of some of what I said about Milk and Honey is also true of this one because there's also, you know, a lot going on in here. The styles don't change as much, but there's just a ton of elements. There's rock, there's synth, there's alternative elements. But then it also has this part where all of a sudden it feels Beatles-y. Beatles-y, yes. Yeah. (laughs) And it was, I wasn't expecting that on this album, but it works. I like this one, I think, was my number three. I really like the industrial guitar. Like, it's like a super compressed and clipped. So it doesn't resonate. It's like very that 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 that. It's a it's like a percussive hit. Like one note doesn't roll into the next. It's a really cool like. It it, ha- it feels hip hop and industrial yes. at the same time. It, I was gonna say it, it feels like he maybe played those guitar chords as like a hit on a, like an MPC or something. Like you yeah. like just like tapping on the uh, MPC or something like that. Yeah, and that could be it, right? It could be that like the guitar sample is ran through a, a keyboard and then they're just getting those like maybe punches. It's really good. It's really fun. Yeah. I like the way it breaks down. Yeah. And again, I think that's one of the things that really stands out for Beck is he's one of those people that can write an amazing chorus and say nothing of any intelligible resonance in that chorus but you find yourself like singing it. It's, it's great. He has a really, he, he's really good with that pop sensibility and he's not afraid to bring weird things to it. Yeah, I don't really know what it means. Lizards in the pressure zone, mother knows it's only a phase. 
<laughs> the song was about Liz. Okay, yeah, I don't know. He's really great with the poetic lyrics, and I don't think he goes into the talk soup territory of Scott Weiland, let's say. I feel like he's saying things, but just in a, an extremely poetic way, although I don't really understand. I don't really... <laughs> to sabotage what I just said, I don't really know what the fuck he yeah, meant I, I could sleep. I could sleep inside her bones a hundred years. <laughs> Not sure. Which which brings us to the last track, which was on all of our cuts. Deborah, yeah, this one was one where I it was probably the one that was hardest for me. I might swap this one out with uh, Milk and Honey for to get into my cut. Just I just felt like it's like probably the song that most people remember from this record to this point. If you're like into Beck or whatever, you probably remember this one, even though it wasn't put out as a single. It's amazing. Like, it's an amazing feat of accomplishment. I can't, I've never been able to get over how, like, ridiculous and sensual this song. And I put this on the after party list. It reminds me of, do you know that Fly the Concord song, The Most Beautiful Girl in the Room? Where he's basically saying that this girl, like, they're at this party and there's this girl, he's gonna go talk to this girl. And he's basically saying, she's good, she's Definitely the most beautiful girl in this room, but not not the whole world. He's like hedging a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and although that's not what Beck's doing in this song, he's saying just, that he only wants you. <laughs> and then just right. as an aside, and your sister. And I think her name's Deborah. <laughs> and and I think you, you gotta appreciate, you gotta really just appreciate the half-assedness. He was like, he was definitely in the '90s, known as like the slacker prince. And this doesn't do anything to dissuade from that. No, it feels like somebody like picking up. It, yeah, it feels like somebody's like driving their Hiroxy to pick up a girl outside of JCPenney's when she gets off work. And if this could be the soundtrack for a scene in Days and Confused, it's just it doesn't take itself seriously, but it has a lot to say while it's. Yeah, I, I have to say I also felt this song back then, also just because. It's like, I think I had a Mazda, old Mazda 626. <laughs> that was my vehicle. And yeah. So, I just felt that whole lady step into my Hyundai, like, that That felt more real to me. <laughs> Not that I would ever I say that. Like, but. I feel like Hyundais were really just blowing up at that point because you couldn't swing a dead cat without, like, hitting a commercial that was, like, 10-year, 10,000-mile 10, warranty or whatever it was. Right? Yeah. There's just so much of this that feels, yeah, I stick with my, like, culture, like, one step culturally removed. Like, I could imagine this shot with a bunch of, like, Japanese teenagers. Like, like the video is just made up of, like, emo-ass Japanese teenagers. I don't know. It's just, it's so, it's, yeah. <laughs> for somebody who like tried to immerse themselves in the sounds that he was going for with this album because they were listening to a lot of like soul motown funk stuff when they made this album and then to come back with like all right so we're going to take this sound of a robot humping a dumpster it's like it's gonna be the percussion line working like three quarters of the way through the song like it's 
so weird, but it works. It works really well. It's so fun. I guess the other thing is he can really sing. I guess we knew that, but a lot of his songs don't really challenge him as a singer. He never really drops in this deep into falsetto. Genu I remember listening to this and genuinely being like, wow, okay, he can fucking hit those crazy ass high notes. Like, pretty crazy. Pretty impressed. And it's, so I, I don't know, if Ryan, if you remember the Brothers Johnson, but I definitely, there's like, some pieces of the song that very much remind me of the Brothers Johnson. And also, this song was very much inspired by David Bowie's song, I think it's called Win, on Young Americans. Like, we'll listen to it and you'll be like immediately, like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a ton of overlap. I think it's track two on Young Americans, which I didn't get into Young Americans until after I had listened to this record. And I feel like it was roughly around the same time, my freshman year, 99. Anything else on Deborah? I think. Yeah. I think we've covered about everything I can think of. My sweater song is all. I, so I wrote this. My sweater song is all of them. I don't know which one. Like they're all the lyrics are insane, and I don't know yeah. what, what to say. Like they're all catchy. And my free bird was nicotine and gravy, just because just because of that long kind of end breakdown, freak out sort of thing going on there. Mine, mine is Deborah because Deborah is just the song that I associate so strongly with this album. And then my sweater song was Mixed Business because, yeah, it's that song that I'd be like, oh yeah, here, listen to this. And then if you want to delve deeper, <laughs> there's a whole album. Yeah. Jenny, yours is, your Freebird was Milk and Honey, your sweater song was Deborah. It was, just because it had that, I don't know, it, it had that sweater song feel to me. I, I get that that could, that could be said of several of these, but there's also a point where he's just talking over it. Yeah. It just felt right. It felt right. The talking over, I, yeah, good call. I do want to really quickly say a word about Broken Train, because I feel like it deserves it. Did we and it didn't make your guys cut, and I'm yeah. actually surprised by that, but... Um, yeah, I, you know, I think it's just a victim of having to cut things for me. Oh, sure. I just, all I was going to say about it is that this rhythm is, in my, for my money, this is the most amazing rhythm on the album. And it does, it actually makes me think of Deer Hunter's Revival because it's, it's just like that song. It's like the rhythm in a song that if it's on, I'm going to do a white person dance. Right? <laughs> you know? Like we were talking about, we were talking about like how Team and Paula's parents was supposed to be a dance album. And I was like, I'm confused. I wouldn't dance to most of this, but like this kind of thing. What did we write from last time? Gringo, we, we love all our gringo dancers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this, would, this would have me gringo dancing. I don't know how you don't move to this. It, it's amazing. And if you've ever actually just, I don't know, we don't have to do it in the after party, but throw on Deer Hunter's Revival, and hopefully you'll see exactly what I mean by that. It's just so, it's so catchy, it's so well done. I feel like yeah. it was a quick props. So I don't want to take up a lot of time with it, but I did want to make that point. No, there, there are pieces of this that remind me of Tropicalia from the album before this, Mutation, with a little bit more blues worked into it. Yeah, it's, it's nice, great. Nice little harmonica. Yeah. It's catchy. There's really, in my opinion, and we'll get to it with the reviews, or maybe we'll just transition right into reviews. Seems like a sensible decision to make. Yeah, in my mind, like, there's very little wrong with this record. It's my favorite Beck record, for what it's worth, and he's done a lot of great music, but I feel this one a lot more. Which is strange, because you read reviews uh, of this, and a lot of people remark on how, like, soulless and robotic Beck sounds, or whatever. And I don't get that at all. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get I it. Mean, I mean, the only the only time I get that is when it's intentional. 
Exactly. I think it's it, he's it's a, the album has a vision. It has a vision. Like it's like the repeated lyrics, the repeated themes, the fake Hollywood drugs, sex, bling, and it all gets comes together in this like weird sort of nauseating way. I, I'm saying nauseating in a positive way, if that makes any sense. And it just throws so much at you all at once. Yeah. With very few breaks. The breaks are appreciated. And he also took a risk. He took a huge risk. I don't know that he knows how to do other things and take risks, but this was one hell of a risk. And I don't think any major label would ever release something like this in 2021. It's too crazy and too weird. And like, you add to the fact that he's definitely making fun, or at least having a laugh, at the expense of probably a lot of contemporary musicians of his time. So it's yeah. like, it, it, I don't know if it would work in 2021. People would probably accuse him of punching down or some shit like that. But I just can't deny like the sort of, just the melodies, the arrangements, the ideas. And it's, a, it's like this beautiful, weird vision. It sounds contemporary to me, so. Look, I don't give records like five stars, but I think I'm gonna give this one five stars. It's yeah, I I I love it. It's it's definitely one that's always close, like in the rotation. So five stars for me. Wait, hold on, hold on. What about you? It's never left. Mathematically, my average came out to a three, only because half of this album doesn't do a whole lot for me and that's not Beck's fault it's just because I'm not much you guys obviously know that both funk and R&B are not really like my main genres and there's a lot of that in about half of this album mm -hmm. yeah for sure and that's not Beck's fault even though they don't do a whole lot for me this is an incredibly well put together album it's ambitious there's a lot that he put into those into all of them and I think it's really well done I appreciate the Breck humor of it, and I would give him a five for that, <laughs> like for sure. Just five for the humor. On his face. Absolutely, I would probably give him a six for the humor. Yeah. This was, even though, again, roughly a third half of it didn't do a lot for me musically. The whole album did a lot for me in terms of like, I enjoyed it. It was amusing. I enjoyed the whole thing, and the other half of it was dead on the money. My, my actual cut would get probably at least a 475, if not higher. There's some very good songs on here. Absolutely, really well done. And I, I guess, I, yeah, it's been a long time, I think, since we've seen like this kind of Beck, and maybe, I don't know if we ever will. I hope so. I hope at some point we see this Beck again. I'm not sure. I'm not sure you can come back with something like this. <laughs> like, I'd like, I'm more interested to see someone else take this and do something modern with it. Probably like do something inspired oh. by the freedom that this album presents than to see Beck try and revisit. <laughs> then about like a man in his mid 40s. <laughs> out, like, if he's, he, yeah, a man in his mid 40s yeah. saying, I'll feed you fruit that don't exist. Yeah, nobody's in the pressure zone. To be clear, I'm not asking for Beck to revisit his horn dog years. I'm not. What I, what I was hoping that we might see is just goofy Beck. You know, I yeah. that's the Beck I think for yeah. the first three albums. Um, at least yeah. I think you could say. Yeah, for sure. Goofy Beck. 
Yeah, I, I think, like, for me, I agree, like, the sense of humor is, like, a five-star sense of humor, right? The, the ability to take, like, R&B and soul and funk and hip-hop and then distill it into the insanity that is that are the samples that make this up for this album is, like, a five-star musical talent. Like, that ability to hear these things like for me this is a hip-hop producer's ear right this is like hearing a, an album with a breakbeat and then taking that breakbeat and making something else with it it takes a very particular level of genius to do that i think my only critique on this album is that there are three tracks that kind of feel like dude you got this like why are we doing another track like this and that's <laughs> like sex laws pressure zone and mixed business like those three tracks and, and granted two of those are on my cut yeah i don't know which one i would choose so i understand that problem but pick one of those three because there has to be like some of the b-side stuff is, would have been really cool to see on the album and yeah. would have cut away that duplicity if, if racked up in those three tracks like that's i think it's a four seven five for me that's the only reason it's not a five is that those three tracks come on and i have to take a beat and figure out where i am in the album because they're very similar and there's so much other interesting wild stuff that he does in the album that to have three tracks so similarly overlap is a little disappointing but that's digging deep to find something to critique about this album. All right. Okay. I guess the last thing before we go is, Jenny, do you have a thought, at least right now, what we're doing next week? Gulp. I saw the swallow. <laughs> or do we need the after party? Or what do you think? No, we do. Like, my problem with this is that I have just an on, like, just an ever-growing list of stuff that I'm like, oh, we should do that at some point. And what's hard now, this far into the pod, is trying to figure out, like, all right, but which one of these 20,000 things should we listen to right now? That's what I struggle with. But, just just kind of, you know. But yeah. what I settled, I kind of settled and I'm not, I'm just going to go with it. We're going we're gonna to do a two disc, one cut, but fear not, the, sh the songs are very short. No um, fear. Yeah, we got two weeks. We're gonna do The Descendants' Two Things at Once from 1988. Another album with a dude who is very down to make fun of all of this gesture. <laughs> so I think it'll be hopefully a nice segue. Beautiful. Um, yeah. Hopefully. I have never listened to that record in much detail. I actually, for all of my punk, my punk experience is very narrow. It's like, I have a very vast punk familiarity as long as it's in like the late 80s and 90s and Bay Area. Yeah. Like that, I know very well. But of all of that, and I could have picked several artists, I could have picked No Effects or Rants or anything. I think it's, I think we should go back to like the beginnings of pop punk, but also a dude who, like Beck, is, is not afraid to, to to be goofy on this album at all. Yes, yeah. awesome. Yeah. I've, li I've listened to Milo Goes to College before, but I've not there listened to the Fat EP or yep. the uh, Same. bonus Fat that makes this up. Same. Yeah. No, that's cool. Um, uh, that's exciting. That's exciting. That's definitely a curveball from what we've been doing, I feel like, but that's a good yeah, thing. And, 
and still only 32 minutes in length at the double album. Wow. I feel like the sweater song's gonna be real easy to... You know, maybe you guys also... Maybe you guys also... Alright, okay. I think we're there.